want to share a couple things with you today as we go right into our sermon. Um, my sermon today is going to be a, kind of a workshop sermon called Expect Results from Your Prayers. Expect Results from Your Prayers. Um, and I want to share with you a couple of things that we're praying for and that I, I want to have some results from too. Right now you, of course, can't miss the fact that America's South and America's Southeast is just getting, has been or is just getting blistered with these uh, uh, hurricanes. And uh, the United Methodist Committee on Relief has been something that's been in place for a long time, way before uh, the rain started falling in Houston. The UMCOR was already down there, and uh, they've already been in, and they are in Florida. And we, we go in first and stay till last. So if you want to participate in helping uh, that effort, which Red Cross and whatnot takes care of the disaster piece that's happening in the right now, and then the Methodist Church and a lot of other churches do the recovery that's, that's yet to come. So um, starting in, in Houston, but, but later on in Florida, obviously. So if you want to participate in that, there's ways in your bulletin to do that. There's going to be some teams forming. Uh, I know Brian Eshin is taking a 700 buckets, flood buckets, to Illinois this week, so that's good. Um, and I know there will be some efforts this summer to have some, uh, next summer, to have some work trips down there when we got into the rebuild stuff, so we hope you'll participate in that. Then I want to show you a picture. I think we have a picture up here. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. I don't know if you know what that is. That's pretty awesome. So the, the, the bottom of that is four foot three below the ground level. That's the foundation on which our walls will be. Actually, um, before the first half was over yesterday, they got all that poured. So the south wall and the east wall of the church, the new church facility have been poured. And I'd encourage you to go out there. There's a little parking space out there to pray. <laughs> hey, somebody got that up there. So it's poured. There it is. Uh, no comments. That, that is one of the most handsome people I've ever seen. Who is that? If I was wearing my glasses, I could tell who that was. But uh, yeah, so there it's all filled with concrete. And I'd encourage you to go out there and pray. I really want to encourage those of you that have kids in your family to take them out there. It's a, it's a live construction site, so be aware of that. Don't be going out there in the, when they're working, but um, don't let them fall in the trenches or anything like that. But I think for them to see what the collective we are doing for their future uh, would be a blessing to them, okay? So this morning, again, workshop sermon, um, probably a little bit more teaching than preaching, so buckle up because we're going to work fast, we're going to work furious, and we're going to talk about expecting results from our prayers. It starts with this. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Underline highlight. With confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, what's being commanded to us in scripture is that in our prayers we can approach God with the confidence of someone who is receiving a promise that they've already been given. A promise from one God that never lies, that only can tell the truth, and we can go confidently then to the Lord because we know he wants the very best for us. And also be clear about what it says in the scriptures. It says you yourself can come with confidence. You don't need your grandma to pray your prayers for him. You don't need your pastor to pray your prayers for your Sunday school teacher or someone else. You can go directly. You don't need to depend on another person to take you to the throne of grace. God has given you access to that throne of grace. You yourself, and he wants to answer all your prayers because the essence of prayer 
is to have our prayers answered, right? The essence of our prayers, I mean, we don't, you know, a prayer is not just speaking into the deep void of nothingness. We don't just talk, not expecting anything to happen. Prayer is about our relationship. Remember, I've, I've said many times during this series that prayer is not about something, it's about someone. When we pray, it's a conversation with the one, with our God, who we desire to be in relationship and who wants you to have high expectations of the conversation you have with him. Did you hear what I said? He wants you to have high expectations of the conversation you have with him. He wants you to have high expectations that your prayers might be answered. So this morning, I'm just going to spend some time uh, encouraging you to practice some things in your prayer life that I believe will grow the effectiveness of your prayers. I'm going to give you eight cues. So here we go. Praying for results, numero uno. Number one, believe God will answer you. I mean, that's really key to prayer. Believing that God will answer you. One of the great privileges, one of the great benefits of of Christianity is the privilege of answered prayers, that God answers our prayers. See, I've got... uh, a 14-month-old, cutest baby that ever lived grandson, right? In my family. I see a lot of cute babies up here, so I've walked on some thin ice there. Um, but my little grandson is 14 months old. And like every kid that age, he has a smartphone. You know, I mean, they all do, right? They all have retired smartphones. You know, the parents went from two to five to seven or whatever. And, and so, so here's little Titus. He's got a smartphone. It's got no battery in it, you know, because he, you know, he's 14 months. So he takes turns between talking on it and eating it, right? So here's what I see all the time. And here's, here's little Titus. He's 14 months old. The kid, I don't know what his problem is. He's only accomplished like seven words so far. But when he gets that phone, he talks, 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 talks. You know, some words, some other stuff. But he's just talking constantly on the phone because he must see someone else doing that, right? (laughs) But here's the thing. When Titus is talking on that phone, it never crosses his little mind that some voice may come back to him, that there might be an answer to him at all. Because he doesn't even know that part of phones. He doesn't know that that's how they work. But when he's talking, he's just talking. He doesn't expect a response to come. But prayer is not like that. Prayer is not like talking into a dead phone where no response is ever expected by those who pray. Our response, we pray, comes to us in our heart, in our mind, in our spirit, in our ears. So the first step of prayer is believing an answer will come. Later on in Hebrews, uh, following the first verse I shared with you, it says, and without doubt, I mean without faith, I'm sorry, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So then the question as we launch into this is, are you earnestly seeking God in your prayers? Are you earnestly seeking the one God that is in your prayers? This, the mom of this kid that I was telling you about a little bit, when she was a year out of high school, she went to Granada, Nicaragua and spent a year in Christian mission working for Young Life and a missionary down there. And when I went to visit her, there was this place in, in, in Granada, Nicaragua, where, where there's this central park. It's about like from here to Range Road, uh, Road Ranger, you know, about three or four blocks but unlike parks here, no grass. It's just like the rest of Nicaragua, just rocky, hard. And at the end of the park, 
is a courtyard, and at the end of the courtyard is the huge cathedral, which the only, the only picture you can ever see of Nicaragua is that cathedral. So there it is at the end. And, and Sarah and I were there once, and, and we were walking around the park doing different things, but right while you were be walking somewhere, there'd be a person on their hands and knees crawling across the park, slow, slow crawling. And, and you could see some of them were way down the street heading this way, but they were all heading towards the cathedral. Not in a hurry like a baby crawls, but they were just crawling. I said, what are they doing, Sarah? She said, well, Dad, they call it prayer crawling. I'm like, what is prayer crawling? She says, it's for people that have decided that God is their only answer, that their only hope, it's their only chance in life is to, to throw their whole selves into God and they start their prayers there and when they get into the church, they kneel in there for hours. They're earnestly seeking God through their prayer calling. Now, I brought that to your attention because I want you to consider this. Where are you in your prayer crawling? Do you have everything placed in God's hands? Do you have no other plan but God in your, in your life? Do you have no doubt, only belief? I mean, that's what these people that had bloody hands and bloody knees by the time they were done did. In the book of James, the brother of Jesus uh, writes these words. Because when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Believe and God will answer you in a way that's authentic to him. It doesn't always give me what I want. Like you, I've been praying to turn those hurricanes, right? Get them back out in the sea or somewhere. But it's going to be in a way that's authentic to him. So, so believe God will answer you. Pray for results, number two. Get rid of hindrances to unanswered prayer. Get rid of the hindrances that are there for your unanswered prayer. There's several of them I want to share with you. One is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin is a huge hindrance to our prayers. We need to deeply repent in humility for the things that we've done. And I came by this morning to share with you a little bit of a good word about guilt. Not guilt that you carry forever, but we need to feel guilty about the things we've done wrong. And we need to confess them so we can push them off onto the throne who desires to take them so that we might be made new. So, so having some healthy feelings of guilt saying, I've done wrong things, I need to give it to God, I confess it to God, that, that, that's a thing that helps you get closer to God. And when we talk about confession, remember I said last week, don't confess with a broad brush. Don't say, oh God, forgive me of all my sins. Take the moments. It took you a long time to commit those sins. Take a few minutes specifically to confess them and ask for their removal from your life. Another hindrance to, to our prayers is when we don't forgive others. When, when we don't forgive others, you hinder your own prayers by carrying around the weight of the hurt, the angst, the frustration, the, the anger that you have about something that someone did to you. I promise you this, they're probably not carrying it, but ultimately it's hindering your pathway to God because you're carrying it. So, so, so forgive others. That's why Jesus says at the end of the, of the Lord's Prayer and the, the version he shares in Matthew, for if you forgive other people, 
When they sin against you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins either. Sometimes we block our own prayers by holding on to what we need to forgive others of. Another thing that can hinder our prayers is improper motives. Improper motives can also be a hindrance of prayers. Uh, you, You know, when you go to pray... You know why you're asking. You know why you're asking what you're asking God. And you, and you simply ask, have to ask the question to yourself, is it pure? Is it right? Is it righteous? And another hindrance of prayer is praying things that are not pleasing to God. You know, one of the most horrible things I saw this week was this picture on the internet of these kids down in southwest Iowa. You all saw it, right? These kids that dressed up in hoods and burned a cross and carried guns and had a confederate flag. There is no room in this world for that. I mean, racism, we need to get done. We need to show them revelation and say that the end of all creation ends with God's people, brown, red, yellow, all that, praising God together. But until we get to that moment, we need to remember this. I was out in the public the other day after that kind of came out and someone said, I hope those kids all die. I said, now hold on. That's not pleasing to God. What we need to pray for is all those kids to be transformed into disciples of Christ and get their minds right. Do they have their heads in the wrong place? Well, obviously, duh. But, 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 but wishing evil upon them, evil upon evil, does not make things better. We have to pray that they get saved. That would please God. That would please God. And, and sometimes we hinder our prayers when we don't apply spiritual principles to our prayers. Here's the little story about the little boy that was praying one night before he went to bed and he closed his prayers by saying, and dear God, please make St. Louis the capital of Missouri. His mother said, why are you praying that? He says, because that's what I put on the test. (laughs) See, we... God gave us a mind and he created time. We have to use it. We can't just pray our will into this. Our prayer is not a shortcut to getting our will and a better life for us. We, we have to pray with right motives. Number three, praying for results. Pray sincerely to God. And I underline the to God part of that. If you really expect genuine answers to your prayers, we must pray to the God, the very real God of scriptures. Not some figment of our imagination. Not our little homeboy that we can wear in our necklace or get on a tattoo. God is much bigger than that. Heck, even Paul in the very first century noticed this. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, and there are indeed many gods and many lords, and you know that. We live in a culture that creates lots of cultural gods or stuff like that. I don't have to name them here. You know. You're bright people. Yet for us, there is but one God, but one God, the Father from whom all things come and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things come and through whom we live. See, we pray to the one God who creates everything. He was before time was and he's after time is. He created everything that you see and are going to see and he puts it all in motion and he sustains it. Not only does he start it, he keeps it going. That's including our bodies. Remember this, you were created in the image of God. And it says in the scriptures, before you were, Psalm 139, you can look this up. This is Mike's translation. Before you were, God was thinking about it. Before you were knit in your mother's womb, God knew who you were. 
So we pray to that God who created everything, who sustains everything, keeps it going, and can redeem everything and will redeem everything by making it holy when it is time, and he can make us individually holy. We pray to that God whose, whose power and scope is limitless. We pray to the awesome God who will not blow his will by some wind of change or opinion or culture. We pray to the one God, the only one God, who has no peers. They did not break the mold when they made our God. He is the mold through which all things are created. Number four, pray for results. Seek God's will in your prayers. Seek God's will. It's, you know, it's um, our inclination to seek our own will. But we seek God's will in our prayers. We need to align our will and requests with God and what he wants. You know, we, we have this Honda CRV. And I needed new tires on it, and I took it to my guys that do that. And at first, I thought they were trying to cross-sell me some stuff. You know, you guys have all had that. And they said, man, your car is really out of alignment. And, you know, they showed me a bunch of graphs and charts. And I said, oh, okay, it really is. And they said, no, 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 it's really out of alignment. Where do you drive this thing? I said, the streets of Marion. They're like, oh, Okay. <laughs> And, and, and it did. It required some adjustments and they were, they were necessary and they were expensive, but it needed alignment or it was going to ruin everything else. Our lives oftentimes need realignment as well. Our lives need adjustments to them. And so this is why Jesus says, he tells us what to do. In Matthew 6, he says, seek first. Seek first. That, that's before everything else. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, when you learn how to drive, I, some of you guys drive motorcycles and whatnot, bicycles, all that kind of stuff. When you learn how to drive anything, there's a simple rule. Look there, go there, right? Look there, go there. When we go to prayer, it's the same kind of thing. We have to look where God wants us to go and then pray there. We have to look what God wants us to be concentrating our lives on, and then we pray towards that place. And so we meditate before we even kneel, before we close our eyes, before we put our hands together on what God says about the issue about which we're praying, and then we follow him to where he wants to go. John writes in his first letter to the new Christians, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But it's according to his will. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Alignment is everything. And the pathway, the pathway to understand God's will and to believe in God's promise is to, is to get ourselves in alignment with him, which is what is found in Holy Scriptures. This is why we pour over the Scriptures of God's inspired word. I don't know how many of you are going through the U versions that... The Bible studies that I put in, in your hands every single week. But if you're going through that, you're seeing these sermons preached. I had no idea when I prescribed them to you. But I'm like, hey, I just said that last week. Or hey, I, I thought, wow, that's awesome. Pray for results number five. Pray with persistence. This is actually a Christian basic. And the reason that so many prayers go unanswered. 
is that so many people quit praying after they've said something a couple of times. Scripture says, and I gave this to you on the green card, 1, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. pray continuously, never cease praying, no matter what it is. I remember my sophomore year in college, it was the end of a football practice, and I was standing there with my coach, and he had just had an interchange with one of my co-players that I realized in the first sentence that he was no longer on our team as he took his helmet off and threw his shoulder pads and his pants on his way off the practice field and I said coach what's up he pointed at the guy and he said well I don't know about much but I know he's got a lot of quit in him I knew right there I didn't want anybody else to say that about me that I have a lot of quit in me because I knew that wasn't a good thing we need to make sure in our prayer life that we don't have a lot of quit in us As long as we have breath, as long as the promise of God is still in force, we have to have no quit in our prayer life. We need to be patient. We need to be persistent. We need to believe in no matter how long. Listen to that. No matter how long it takes. Because sometimes it takes a long time. You know, we we usually want our prayers often answered in minutes. You know, I got some prayers that are going on 30 years now for some people. So don't quit. Don't quit. No matter what. David says in the 55th Psalm, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. God only hears our voice when we use it. Makes sense, right? Use the voice of your heart. Use the voice of your spirit. Use the voice of your mouth. But God will not hear it if you become mute towards him. I said last week in the close of my sermon, Forsyth said, the biggest problem with prayer is its cessation. We quit. We stop. Do not quit. Pray with persistence. Number six, pray with fervor. Now, some of you like me that lived back in the 19s, <laughs> the 1980s brought some great things to us, didn't they? Sure did. yeah, they did. <laughs> Cassie's like, yeah, I me. Mean, In addition to Cassie, (laughs) it brought us the mullet, (laughs) big hair for women, giant shoulder pads for women's clothing. Are you with me? And it brought this expression that, that a lot of people use from Rocky Balboa, I'm sorry, Rocky Balboa. To Jane Fonda. And there was always this time where they'd get to a certain point and they'd say, now we need to go for it. How many times did you hear that if you lived in the 1980s? It's, it was on every TV commercial. It was in every movie. It didn't matter. I didn't even think Clint Eastwood said it in a, in a Western. Let's go for it. No, I mean, but that was like an expression. But yet, as trite as it became, it has some pretty true meaning. Because when you say go for it, it means throw yourself all in. Go with it for fervor. When we pray, we need to go for it. We need to throw ourselves all in. We need to put our whole heart to our prayer, withholding nothing of ourselves or or anything we plan to be. We need to put all of our passion into our prayers. We see this in Jesus' example. It's unmistakable. In, In Luke chapter 22, he's at the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is what it says about him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as if it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Our example in Jesus is to be all in 
in prayer, to pray with fervor. Number seven, you want to pray for results? Refuse to doubt. Because this I know as a guy that prays, when you pray, you will be tested. But refusing to doubt means this. Your spirit will want to doubt. Your heart will want to doubt. Your mind will want to doubt because as you're praying, you're going to look at something big and in some way, your humanness says, this won't happen or this can't happen. That's the nature of humanity. But when we pray, we have to pray and not doubt. James, the brother of Jesus, says this, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will run from you. Submission in prayer means we take our prayers and we move them from, well, I hope some stuff will happen, to I believe this will happen. I absolutely believe this will happen. And there's one undefeatable plan in life, and that is my God's. And in that, I'm all in. One of my favorite lines, I ripped this off of a, I took this from a millennial, so it must be good, right? (laughs) Submission to God is the devil's kryptonite. I just love that. It buckles his knees. It breaks his will. When you submit to God and you throw yourself all into prayer, it breaks Satan's will. Jesus says this in Mark 11. Truly I tell you, if anyone says this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in its heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. You have a lot of mountains. You got a lot of mountains in your lives. You do. I have some, you have some, and you need to pitch them. And after praying it, after you pray what you pray, you believe you've received it. Now, out in western Kansas, there was a little church. And it was during a really dry spell. I've never lived in western Kansas. Apparently, they grow wheat and all this kind of stuff out there. It had been dry 13 weeks. And after church one day, a couple of the elders of the church came up to the pastor and said, Pastor, we need to have a prayer meeting tonight. And he says, okay, why? He says, because it hasn't rained in 13 weeks and our, our, our land is literally blowing away. We need to get the soil, some water so the wheat crops can grow so we can, you know, feed our families and all that. And he says, so we need to have a prayer meeting tonight. And the pastor said, okay, I'll have a prayer meeting for you. I'll meet me here tonight at six o'clock. And about 80 folks showed up that night in the prayer meeting. They all filed in. They got into their normal seats in the church. And the pastor walked up to the front and said, "Um, we all called this prayer meeting tonight, but I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to pray for what you want. One of the elders of the church stood up and said, but pastor, we need rain. The ground is dry every time the wind blows. More of our topsail blows away. We need rain, Brad, we need to pray for that. And the pastor said, I refuse to pray for that. And they said, why, Pastor? You need to pray for that. He says, I'll tell you why. You want me to pray for rain and not one of you brought an umbrella. (laughs) There was no expectation. No expectation in their prayers. We have to refuse to doubt knowing the result is coming. And number eight, I'll send you off with this. Pray in the name of Jesus. Now, I know that, you know, for... We Latter-day Christians, we say, well, we always pray in the name of Jesus. Pastor Mike, you do it a hundred times. We've heard it done a hundred times or more in this church. We always say in the name of Jesus. And the reason why is very, very important. Going backwards in history, 
when the Jews had Mount Moriah and there was a temple on Mount Moriah, in the temple there were two main parts of the building. One was smaller than the other. The, the main part of the building was called the Holy. But the back end of the building was called the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies was only used one day a year. On the Day of the Atonement, the high priest, the elected high priest, went into the Holy of Holies, and it was believed that there the high priest would hear God's voice and be directly encountering God. Now, so seriously did they take the Holy of Holies that when the priest went in, they tied a golden rope around his ankle just in case God completely showed up and he saw the face of God because surely that would kill him, as the scriptures say, and they could drag him out of there. Okay? I mean, this is a real thing. This is what they did. That's how the Jews were taught about God. That's how they felt. And, and so they even thought the name of God and still do is so holy that they don't say it out loud. And if you type it in English, they always say G-D, the great G-D, because that name is too holy for them to say. But things change for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Through the person of Jesus Christ and through his death and resurrection, Jesus gives us direct access to himself. He wants us to pray in his name. He wants us to come face to face with him. Look what it says in John 16. In that day, you will no longer have to ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name, because, of course, he was still present with them. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Praying in the name of Jesus, which I admonish and encourage all of you to do, praying in the name of Jesus calls upon the office and the authority of the Most High God, the one and only. That is to say, when we call the name of Jesus, we are directly approaching the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, because that is what he wants of us. His name is above all other things. We sang two songs about that today. What a wonderful name it is. And worthy is his name. Because it's the name that's above every name. It's the name that, that, that heaven and earth bows to. It causes heavenly beings to, to, to listen. And it causes evil to flee. So the heartfelt prayer of the Christian takes a direct approach to God. Knowing that when we live in obedience to him, our prayers are heard and answered. And in our desire to be with him, we grow and mature in the faith. We call on him by name, not as some mysterious God that's out there in the vapor somewhere, but we call on his name, Jesus, because he alone can get us to where we need to go, can give us what we need, all those things that we cannot get on our own volition and in our own way. So next week, less of a workshop. I'm going to come back next week. And with a little simple ter- sermon title, maybe it should have been the one that we should have started this sermon with. It's simply called, You Better Pray. Now you put the emphasis where you need it. I know I'll put it where I think it should be. But until then, past then, and through then, pray expectantly. Pray expectantly in the name of your Jesus. And I'd ask that you go with me there now. Lord God, today we come... We come today into the holiness of this place, uh, not because uh, this building is so awesome, though it is, but because the people of God are here. And where two or three or more of us are gathered, there you are in the midst of us. So we thank you, Lord, for being in the midst of this gathering today. And we ask, Lord, that you cultivate in us a will to pray with more expectation, to come to you and you alone, to pray without ceasing, to pray with fervor, to pray believing it'll happen. 
and to pray in your name. Lord, all these things we shall do because it is what you desire of us. In the name of you, firstborn from the dead, the king of all kings, the master of the universe, the Lord of our hearts, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I, uh, before we take the offering this morning, we have a, a presentation that I really love, uh, something we're involved in. Uh, we've been involved in RTS missions in Las Cohabas, Haiti, uh, for quite a number of years. And uh, to celebrate what's coming down there, I'm going to introduce Jan Fawcett. So would you give her a great welcome as she comes. Um, like Mike said, my name is Jan Fawcett, and I'm here to talk about our church's uh, Christmas for Haiti program. Uh, last year, we introduced the Christmas for Haiti program, where we here at FUMC of Marion provided Christmas bags for the children of Haiti. Our church has sent nine teams to Haiti through RTS Ministries. Many of our church members have been on these mission teams, including myself. We have played with these children, held them, and worshipped with them. We have built relationships with them. Again this year, we have an opportunity to provide hundreds of children with much-needed items. In the narthex, you will find these bags. Inside each bag is a list of suggested items. Please fill the bag and return them by September 24th. I believe it says 17th on the slide, but it is the 24th. Last year, we provided nearly 400 bags. This year, we have a goal of sending 500 bags. Will you help us meet that goal? You are also welcome to give donations of items for the bags of Donations of items for the bags or monetary donations if you would rather do that. If you have any questions, there is contact information on the sheet that's in the bag. Thank you. God, you're the one and only. We pray exactly the words of that song. Spirit of living God, fall afresh on me. Make today a new day for us in our relationship with you. Uh, Make these gifts that we've given a a new ministry, a new work in you. Make us new, Lord, so that we might serve you and love you and be more fruitfully in relationship with you. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus. Amen. And of course, uh, this is a church that has a lively uh, program going to supplement its ministries of, uh, uh, of preaching and worship. Uh, This afternoon, our puppets ministry starts here, and if you're interested in that, we encourage you to come. Our bell choir rehearsals don't actually start today. Actually, your kids are getting that in Sunday school right now. They're getting a chance to try out the bell, so if they really love it and you want to nurture that gift within them, they start next week, and we hope you would come uh, and bring them to that. And then something really cool is happening this week in our 412 ministry. We're having what's called the Younger Games. Isn't that cute? And uh, all the students are supposed to come at 6.30 this week, uh, 6th through 12th grade. A lot of games, a lot of prizes, a lot of fun, a lot of giveaways, so hopefully they'll come to that. I mentioned to you earlier at the United Methodist Commission on Relief and the ministry that they're doing in America's South, and so if you want to bring buckets or something like that, you still can. 
And next week, if you're new among us, I want to make a special invitation to you. If you're just really kind of trying out First United Methodist Church, Marian Methodist, we'd encourage you either after this service or during the time it meets to come down to the hospitality and library room. Uh, we'll have some folks down there that kind of give you a little bit uh, about the church. We won't trick you into there. We won't sell you a lifetime subscription of anything in there. Uh, well, maybe we might offer you some eternal life and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we hope you'll come and meet some of our folks uh, They love it here, and they kind of explain a little bit more about what Marian Methodist is and what we're up to. And um, something that's very tender every month we have. We have a third Sunday memorial service at 11 o'clock in our chapel. I I know a few more people are going to it each month. This is really targeted for people that that maybe you had a friend that died some distance away or... Uh, and you couldn't go to the funeral, or maybe you're experiencing the anniversary of someone's passing or their funeral, or maybe you're just, you know, really grieving somebody that you've loved for a long time. We, we do a liturgy in the chapel at 11 o'clock on the third Sunday that's really just a, a, re, a remembrance time. And you're invited to come. You don't have to come every month. Only come once if you want. But we sure wish that uh, if that's something that aches, uh, we think there's some salve there in the prayer uh, for you. So those are our announcements today. And so I send you in this way. Uh, Your God has given you complete access to Him. Uh, Don't neglect using it. Live in Him. Throw yourself all into Him. And live always in the name of Jesus. Go in His name. Peace. Love each other. Have fun.